Hey guys, DJ here. This is a disclaimer. Applied Materials is a 100% non-profit, fan-made project set within the Orpheus Protocol game system. The Orpheus Protocol is an actual play podcast and tabletop role-playing game system created by Rob Stith and published by Varkalak Press. If you'd like to know more, please check out the main podcast at www.orpheusprotocol.com and patreon.com slash orpheusprotocol if you'd like to show more support for the main podcast. Thank you for your time, and please enjoy the following episode. Welcome to Applied Materials, an Orpheus Protocol actual play podcast. My name is DJ and I will be your host for tonight. On the cast list for our journey into the unknown, Pinky as Robbie, Ross as James Castillo, Seth as Oro Eldridge. Tonight's episode, Brown Hats and Bullwhips, part four. Brown Hats and Bullwhips contains violence, ancient history and secrets of the past and future. Consider this your warning. Previously on Applied Materials. As their exploration of the city continues, the team only raises more questions than answers. With time not on their side, the agents make camp, then resolve to finish their exploration and strike out to find their mysterious visitor the following day. Okay, so where we last left off, you guys were spending the night in a quaint little stucco house. In a place that you don't recognize, researching a people that came here and left, and then James, your phone started ringing. Mm. I am going to look at it. Uh, is there any indication it was the same? Uh, is the screen showing anything like it did anything at all when that voice called the last time, or is it just showing that there's a, a someone attempting to contact that phone? It shows that someone is attempting to call your phone. It is similar to the first time you had a phone call in this strange place. There is no number. No information at all, I'm assuming, then. None. I don't know why I thought maybe there would be uh, the second time. I'm going to uh, hold my hand up uh, in case anyone is currently in conversation. You know, hand up, palm forward. Just as a, I'm sure the phone has gotten everyone's attention completely. And then, um, no, I don't think that we're in any actual danger at the moment. Um, I'm going to hit the button and be like, yes. Good morning, Mr. Lincoln Cole. And uh, while this voice starts speaking, uh, anybody who's awake, which I assume is all of us, are we all awake already? Yes, you all have been woken up by the sound of your phone ringing. I'm going to motion to all of, just make a come over here, over here where the phone is motion to like no one in particular, but everybody. Out of the corner of your eye, you can see Holly moving closer to you. Bob as well. He shifts a little bit closer. Craig is in the corner of the room, just staring at you, arms crossed, all four of them. I'll just creep over quietly as well. Yes. Check out bright and early. Yeah, I was hoping that you would uh, make plans to come down and see me soon. We're going to be heading that way today, I think. Sure, just, uh, good. Just had a few things to take care of in town. Well, I hope you enjoy the sights, as it were. You know, this place used to be a lot more beautiful 
I visited this place once or twice back when, you know, the people here were a lot more well-established. It was a nice place. Shame they all left, though. Well, it's unfortunate that they were displaced when the war happened. The group of you have been doing a lot of exploring, huh? What do you think? We had a little time for sightseeing, touring the museums. I can tell you've had me wait here for the last two days. I can assure you we're heading your way today. Same location? Yep, plateau at the end of the valley. I'll be waiting. See you there tomorrow morning. Tomorrow evening, the latest. You can take your time. Try not to rush. See the sights. Just make sure you take nothing but pictures and leave nothing but footprints. We'll do our best. Good. I'll see you in about 24 hours, give or take. Give or take, depending on anything happening along the way. Good. I'm looking forward to it. I'll see you soon. And I just... Yep. I go to he beats he it they beat me to the hang up. I take a quick glance over at my vials of plants and just like shrug. As you hang up the phone call, Holly looks at you and she says, So mind telling me who our mystery friend is, or are we just gonna keep that a mystery until we get there? If I knew whose voice that was, I would tell you. I don't. It's the only other person I I don't know if it's a person. Could be a computer, robot, something horrible. I I don't know. But it speaks our language, so knows who we are and why we're here. Speaks our language in a place where, well, nothing is our language. It seems like it's genuine in telling us if we travel to... The plateau will have a way out. Well, I suppose there's nothing left to do but to head out, says Craig into all of your minds. Yes. Unless, of course, there's anything else you wanted to look at while we're here. But I suppose it would be best not to keep our friend waiting, right? I would love to spend more time here. However, I suppose we should get going. The three major... Places we wanted to investigate, we have, yes? Town hall type building, library, hospital. I I could spend weeks in that library. There's so much stuff that I could copy and translate. We've got as much as possible recorded. Photos, videos, and that's going to be decades of study just by itself. Yeah. You're right. Without getting out a fine-toothed comb, so to speak, I think we've kind of done everything we can do in this short time. Holly says, well, I remember looking at that map and the road out of the city leading down towards that other plateau where the waterfall waterfall is. It's to the north of here. And that's the way we're headed. I mean, we are going to pass by a couple more places once we hit that road. There's a farm that separates us from the actual road. And then there's that little outpost thingy that we found on the map, remember? Yes. Luckily, we, <laughs> I didn't commit us to too specific a time frame that we have. we'll have enough of a window of opportunity to get to the plateau. And also, the voice told us to see the sights if we come across any. I'm sure whoever this is will understand when we 
stop here and there and there. I mean, they speak our language, right? It kind of feels like maybe there's more to it than meets the eye. I don't know if it would be better or worse if the voice even sounded familiar, but it doesn't. I think familiarity would have been even freakier. I think we should go. Agreed. Holly, you mentioned the farms. I am curious. We seem to have gotten a lot of knowledge of what, for lack of a better way to put it, the elite did with their time. I am curious to see who kept the city moving. How did they handle and treat those of a lesser status? So, stopping briefly there, I wouldn't mind trying to take at least some pictures. I mean, if it's on the way, sure. Why not? I'd love to have a look around. And... Uh, there's also the mention of the graveyard here. Um, I am curious also to see how we found few remains of these people, like physical remains. Maybe there is something we could learn more about Craig's situation to assist him. Very curious to see if there are any re- re- remaining. That would be a fair point, yeah. I suppose you could go over to the graveyard and see if there's anything left of the people here. Although a part of me is a little bit uncomfortable at having to exhume remains. Maybe some of these graves would have been exposed over time and, well, weather. We might get lucky. We just might. So, where to first? Well, the farms are closer. Why don't we head up north and check that out? Onward. The six of you gather up your things and head out of your little dwelling. It is a cool, breezy morning as you emerge into this abandoned city. You head immediately north, and as this little neighborhood here opens up, you can see that this particular section of farmland here appears to be some sort of flooded farmland, in the same vein as Asian rice paddies. But obviously, due to time and rampant weather, it has lost a lot of its signature looks it's not terraced this is a long rectangle ish shape of what used to be some sort of paddy field you're not you're not sure what grows here it might be rice might be something else a different kind of grain that grows in wet ground but you can see that it is very clearly fenced off by a set of low walls made out of stone and each set of fields is also demarcated by a line of stone basically separating each of these fields into like a little square and there are several of them that extend out towards the forest you kind of estimate i'll say that again with the frogman and you kind of estimate that from here to the end of this little bit of farmland would be about a football field and maybe a couple of feet extra But the plants here are so overgrown, it is hard to identify what sort of crop might have been grown here, if at all. Can I send Sally out on a little scouting trip? Of course. I'll call her over. She's probably sitting on my shoulder, actually. Sally, could you have a little rummage around? It's going to be difficult. See if you can find any trace of what they might have been planting probably have to do a bit of digging i know how much you love doing the digging but see if you can find any trace of what would have been planted here before okay sally squeaks a little bit softly 
kind of chitters at you, grooms her face with her tiny little hands, and then she hops off of your shoulder and scampers off towards the fields. And I would like you to roll me an investigation check with Sally's cognition, please. Five, yes. She's better than me. Are there any houses? Or, like, is everything just overgrown? There's no evidence left of any of, like, what the people lived in. The only houses that you can see are the ones that are behind you. The ones that you just left. Oh. Wait a minute, she's using cognition, so... Uh, lovely, lovely, lovely. It's five. Cognition is five. I will re-roll. I got the same result. <laughs> At rank four on the skill, you can take a plus one in lieu of rolling, which will make your result even better. Oh, yeah. Cool. All right. So plus one plus the three I chuck in. Like nine. Yeah. With a nine, as the rest of the group move away around the field, Robbie, you are waiting on the side of this overgrown field, kind of trying to spot the little blue glow of Sally amongst the tall grass and water. You can kind of see her. It reminds you vaguely of the scene from the second Jurassic Park film where the velociraptors are going through the tall grass, except this is a tiny squirrel, and so all you can see are semi-small ripples and occasional movement of the tall grass, but you know it's a mechanical squirrel in there as opposed to a bunch of angry dinosaurs trying to eat your face. You wait for a few minutes and eventually, Sally scampers back to you and you can see that she has a small bundle of what looks like grass uprooted from one of these fields clasped in her mouth. Excellent job. Thank you very much. May I have it? You feel Sally scampering up your leg, and then the squirrel is on your arm, and then she's sitting on your palm. And then she holds out these kind of long, thin-ish blades of kind of grass out in her two little hands. It's not very long. You can see that these grains are about a foot and a half in length from root to tip of the blade. And you can see that at the end of the blade of this kind of grass, there is a set of kind of long-ish oblong shapes in green and yellow that vaguely remind you of, well, short-grain rice. You know from your own innate knowledge of plant life that this isn't the typical strains of short grain rice that grow in regions like, say, Vietnam or Indonesia, places where rice farming is very prevalent. But you know that this is rice, or at least it looks like rice. It feels like rice, but it's older somehow, like a precursor to the current species of rice that we have today. Strange. Uh, I, I, this is practically the kind of stuff I already work on. I don't work on rice, but I work on the epigenetics of food. My other arm, without even thinking, has already reached back and is grabbing a Ziploc plastic bag out of a side pocket. (laughs) This is going straight in the bag. Sally has a very proud look on her face. You did an excellent job. Thank you. Give her a little stroke on the chin. She chitters, kind of rubs her face against your hand and then scampers back up your arm and then sits on your shoulder. Well done. I suppose we should have 
catch up with the others. Yeah, the others are like five minutes walk ahead of you already. Speaking of the others, Oro and James, to your right, you see a sort of squat, square-ish structure made out of stucco. It's not very glamorously decorated, but you can see that in contrast to the more nature-based murals and paintings that you have seen strewn throughout this city, this structure is decorated a lot more formally. It's not decorated with pillars or fancy architecture, none of that stuff. But you can see that outside, there appears to be stones kind of shingled in a wall such that it vaguely reminds you of fortifications that have long since eroded and been lost to time. You gather that in front of this building, there may have even been a space for some sort of flagpole or some sort of structure or monument that has long since fallen down and been consumed by nature because there is a stone plinth a couple of feet in front of the entrance of this building. It's kind of trapezoidal shaped and it has some holes in it that remind you of where you would put flagpoles. The area in front of the building is remarkably bare and it is not dirt. This is all paved stone. You can see that the area in front of this trapezoidal flagpole base thing is paved a lot smoother than the rest of the roads and other places here in this city. In fact, it's almost flat and worn by, I suppose, time and nature, but also bears a few marks of use. Scratch marks in the rocks from something you're not sure what tool or something else might have been used to either purposely or accidentally make little divots in random parts of the floor here but there are a lot of them strewn throughout this tiny little plaza my brain is tired but oro's taking pictures <laughs> um that's very cool i love the imagery um he'd be taking pictures and i don't know the importance of that I don't know, could he roll some sort of, like, theory check? <laughs> Why not roll me a knowledge anthropology check with your cognition? I'll put one mental strain in there, sure. <laughs> Would I be able to collaborate on this with me using knowledge history? Sure, go ahead, do that. Well, I'm coming at a five. I got a flat, and uh don't have skill features with that knowledge so i with the invested strain that gets me to a four so collaboratively that's a seven hell yeah so with a seven the two of you spend some time documenting this plaza and the structure you can even go up to it and go into it there are no doors there is a door frame but the doors have probably long since been lost to time and James, this reminds you of some sort of parade square, very military y kind of structure. It reminds you of a barracks, actually. Hmm. Well, I'm looking through and over and at everything. Um, I say over to Oro, your focus is a little different than mine. Habitation, yes, but does this look like 
It's like it might have been a guardhouse, military barracks. Uh, are you seeing any uh, anything that hints at that? That makes sense, I think, with the distribution of these platforms. Were they a really... I didn't get the strong impression of military until this point. Maybe this was an outpost, the city was. Maybe it wasn't. That's why they left, as they were ordered back. Um, even if they hadn't started off so, once that other group of people was here and uh, they started fighting against each other, it may have facilitated more of a more of a security presence from everything we've seen they seemed extremely extremely magically and honestly technologically advanced for what hundred thousand years ago a million more i like incredibly but they didn't i don't think that there would have been major need for actual military like that until this other group of people got here. It seemed like everything was going mostly fine and there was peaceful coexistence. But after that point, yeah, I can see them having guards posted outside of settlements. Inside of this structure, you do find evidence that this was in fact a sort of military outpost of some kind. There are racks hewn into the stucco walls reinforced with stone that appear to have been rests for spears or blades of some kind. In fact, you do find a few of these weapons strewn throughout this place, not cast around haphazardly like they were in a hurry or they were attacked and sort of scattered around the floor. More like most of these racks are empty, save for a few spots. Looking like maybe these weapons were extras or leftovers. There are these big one-handed swords that, from your normal human perspective, appear to be more like hand-and-a-half-sword-sized, si- hand well, swords, made out of a iridescent material that appears to be similar to the snake scales that you found sharpened to almost you suspect a monomolecular edge or obviously not as close to it but think extremely high grade chef knife level of sharpness or even a proper a properly sharpened japanese katana it's not in the same style it reminds you more of well your mahuidal but not with a square tip, obviously. This sword has a curved tip, similar to a saber. Mm. But the markings and engravings along the flat of the blade and the hilt remind you of your own weapon. And in fact, as you're studying this sword, you have it in your hands, and you can feel your mehuidal on your hip sort of vibrate and resonate with it. Mm. I have an idea. Uh, I'm going to call out loud, but I, you know, I mean, it's it's thought, but call out for Craig um, to uh, come over from where he is for a moment. You wait a bit, and then Craig peeks his head into the doorframe, and you can hear in your head, he says, you call? 
yeah, I've uh, I've got something for you. And I go and I start to uh, lift the sword, the extra large sword. It is noticeably heavier than any than my Maquito and any melee weapon that or- Orpheus has had me attempt to train with. And I'm going to be like, here, how does this feel? Craig steps into this little armory space and takes the sword from your hands. In your hands, the sword was huge. In his hand, it looks like a longsword. He hefts the blade, kind of gives it a few experimental twirls, and then imitates a fencer doing a few practice stabs with the weapon. And he says, yeah, it feels good. It feels nice, like it was designed for, well, me. Well, not specifically me, but you know what I mean. Someone your height, weight, level of physical strength. Yes? And hand size, yeah. I, I had a feeling. Um, I also am pretty sure that this is enough for me at least to confirm that... When these people were here, they did, in fact, look just as you look now. They had to have been your height, your hand size, your body morphology to be able to wield a sword like this that easily. Like a normal sword. That it's that's a, that sword's too heavy for me. It's too long. It's I it would be very unwieldy. So these people must have made these weapons specifically for themselves. Yes. Then that must mean they must have been used for something, right? Yes. Uh, All signs point to this being some sort of military outpost. And there was all the combat against that other group of people and their other god. Yeah, but, you know, the way I'm thinking is before all that happened... What would they need these weapons for? What were they guarding against? Wildlife? Bandits? Potentially. It's possible. He hefts the sword in his hand a little bit more. And then he looks around the armory to try and maybe find a scabbard of some sort. But fails to find one. So he is left to just carry it in one hand. He doesn't seem to be struggling with it, though. Internally, I'm thinking to myself about how... The strange voice on the phone said about uh, leave only footprints and all that. And I feel I feel like we're going to end up taking that as take as much liberty with that as possible as we leave here with a lot of biological samples, a little bit of physical records with the writing on it and if I have anything, in my opinion, Craig, sh- that sword should be Craig's now. Because whoever was the owner of that sword has been gone for a million years. Maybe even more. Who knows? They won't need it. And they obviously, after all this time, won't almost, cer- almost certainly won't come back looking for it. That is very true. And hey... I uh, certainly can't hold a gun anymore. He holds out all four of his hands and just shows you how huge they are. I don't think one of these fingers would fit into the uh, trigger guard of, a, of an assault rifle. 
Yeah, it'll take time for HQ to have a have a rifle made large enough. I mean, there are rifles that are big enough, but <laughs> yeah, I suppose you're right. I think you should keep this. If nothing else, it'd be a nice souvenir. I don't know what we're going to find as we continue on. Uh, you, honestly, it's going to end up being more than a souvenir. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to go and look at the graveyard before we leave the city, if uh, that's okay with you. Oh, definitely. Yeah, no, please. Yeah, I just... Here, have fun. Uh, Oro and I may join you uh, in a moment. I actually, now that you mentioned it, I very much want to do the same. He probably will as well. I'll go find him. And so your group moves from this little military outpost to the graveyard on the other side of town. This is a quiet, stately place, and even though it has been probably decades, if not centuries, since someone was here to tend the graves, there is a somber air over this place. Vines, bushes, and creepers have grown over pretty much all of the grave markers here in this graveyard. It's very neatly kept and orderly. You can tell that each grave marker is evenly and correctly spaced away from the ones around it with enough room to have a casket or coffin of some sort buried underneath it in a very typical fashion. You don't note that there are any mausoleums or bigger structures of the sort made out of either stone or stucco in here. It appears to be all just graves. Are there obvious markers? Yes, they are very obvious markers. They are in various shapes and sizes and different designs, but all of them still appear to be evenly spaced out. You can see that there are some that are very normal, square-ish shape with rounded top, very typical gravestone shape. There are others that are taller, smaller, squat grave markers. Some of them appear to be even decorated quite nicely with little snake carvings or statues on top of the grave markers, also carved out of stone. Very intricately detailed. Can I... Oh, wait a minute, let me just check. I might send Sally out again. <laughs> Would anyone like to roll me a knowledge check? It can be with any related type of knowledge skill. History, anthropology, you name it. I have the power of dice, yes. What are you rolling, Oro? Um, anthrop. And uh, if you wanted to do that collectively, I will back up with history again. I can do a generic science thing, but I don't have specific anthropology. But my, my, my specific science is... This one won't be a collaborative check, but I would like all of you to roll your knowledge skills. So Robbie can roll knowledge biology, Oro can roll knowledge anthropology, and James can roll knowledge history. All of you are rolling with cognition. Different skill type, different skill types will get you different results. Can I do my biology check through, Sally? Sure. Cool. Yeah, I'm going to save my strain. I'm going to stay with a three. <laughs> so my knowledge is at the same rank. So. Why? <laughs> it's just fucking cursed. Um, I'll take the plus one. Be a nine again. Robbie, with your nine, 
Sally hops off your shoulder and starts scampering through the undergrowth. She seems to be looking for, well, anything interesting, really. You're following her, having a look at some of these grave markers occasionally, brushing away a bush or a set of creepers to look at some of the pictographs that are on these gravestones. You're not too familiar with the language, but you've been taught by Oro enough to recognize the sort of cadence and grammatical spacing that is used in this pictographic alphabet. And you learn that these gravestones are all labeled the same way. There appears to be a name and a title followed by date of birth and then date of death. And all of the grave markers that you pass all bear the same markings. Not the same same, but the same as in they are spaced the same way, have the same amounts of pictographs, and are arrayed in the same fashion. But obviously the names and the dates are very different for each gravestone. Eventually, Sally does come across a section of the graveyard closer to the edge of the city. This is the top left corner of the graveyard. And you can see here that nature has taken its toll on some of the structures. There appears to have been a building made out of either stucco or mud. You're not sure. It has half collapsed. And behind it is a small stone wall about, about waist high that has also collapsed. You kind of figure that this might have been a place where the, grave keep, the graveyard keeper might have called home. But that's not what draws your attention. What draws your attention is one of the graves on the edge of the graveyard where you presume rainwater over time has eroded the ground such that it is now a downward slope. <coughs> it is a downward slope has exposed one of the graves. And Sally is busy using her teeny little paws to scrape away the dirt surrounding a very white tarnished looking skull is any more of the skeleton exposed still there you can see little bits of what looks like the top of a sternum one shoulder blade and almost the whole skull has been uncovered by sally at this point you can see that the skull is not spherical shaped it is definitely not a human skull but as you pick it up and give it a little once-over, turning it around in your hands. You're vaguely reminded of Craig, and you spare a glance at the big snake man with four arms standing on the edge of the graveyard, looking a little pensive about this whole thing. You hold the skull up at arm's length, kind of look between it and Craig's head. There's a similarity. There's definitely a similarity. The way the eyes are positioned the way the bone protrudes out into a snout, little holes at the front where nostrils would be. No opening for a mouth, though. But you can tell that this skull is similar to a snake skull in real life where a serpent would hear vibrations in the ground with a special set of bones in their head. But of course, you can tell that the rest of the skeleton, probably buried under the dirt, is a lot more humanoid in shape. Forearms? As in four arms, not... You would have to dig out more of the dirt, but you would imagine so. Okay. I'm going to give 
Sally a bit of help before I call anyone over. Okay. I would like you to make me a... Why don't you roll me a raw vitality check, please? What's your vitality at? Mm, one? With raw stat rolls, the most you can do is spend one of the related strain. In this case, it would be physical. Then I will throw the one strain on it to make it a flat. Yeah, you're meant for lab work, not so much physical work. You're used to trekking, not so much digging. And you kneel down and start to try and scrape away some of the dirt that is covering this grave. But you don't seem to be making any dent into it. Neither is Sally, and her hands are smaller than yours. I'll look at myself and go, You're right, this is not a me job. I'll get somewhere else. You can carry on, though. Good work. Sally gives you a little dirty look as you get up to go and find help and then keeps digging anyway. (laughs) I meant it seriously. You did a really good job. Well done. And I will walk over towards the others. If squirrels could scoff. I'm imagining something hitting the back of my head right about now. As you turn around to go and call for help, you feel a pebble strike the back of your head. And there we go. Okay. I'm not going to say anything to that. Oro, with your three in knowledge anthropology, well, this certainly looks like a graveyard. It is arrayed like a graveyard. (laughs) But meager as your knowledge is of the burial customs of different cultures and civilizations, you can tell that the graves here were not just of rich people, but They were of the poor people, too. Obviously, the way these gravestones are decorated, the more lavishly they are decorated means whoever was buried there, their family or their relatives had the funding or influence to secure a nicer-looking gravestone. But you can tell that a lot of the graves here that are less well-decorated and look very plain in comparison. They might or might not have been meant for the poor populace, you're not sure, but you can tell at least that everyone here was allowed to have a grave of their own, in stark contrast to pauper's graves or unmarked graves of the poor and the homeless that you have seen back home. You would share the... Peaceful, well, I don't know if peaceful is the right word, equal perspective they had on everyone, and how maybe we could learn something from that. And then he would go find the others, maybe finding Sally desperately. <laughs> yeah, Oro, as you're concluding your brief study of these gravestones, you see Robbie approaching you, and... You kind of follow their glance over to where a tiny little mechanical squirrel is digging at the dirt, trying to uncover more of what looks like a skeleton. Uh, one thing I'm good at is using a shovel. Or, and he activates rank one savagery and ding ding ding, claws come out. And he's like, or claws when you don't have a shovel. So, Oro, I would like you to make me a might check with your vitality, please. Rank one gives me a plus two to might check, so with my might, I'm rolling with a plus five. And then I get a minus two on the dice, and I don't have might. That's weird. 
I haven't focused too much time in working in weightlifting. Okay, so that's a. Th I'll put the one physical strain I can because I, I I haven't spent physical strain yet. So a four. All right. With a four, you use your big old werewolf claws to dig away at the dirt surrounding this skeleton, and it'll take you some time, but you kind of estimate that by the time everyone else is finished with doing what they're doing you will have uncovered the full skeleton before any 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 explanation happens i would like to slightly change with the one on the dice that brings me to a four but if it's all right with you could i make this a check that is both history and occult since i have them at the same rank since I, I was thinking about it, I'm like, this is this is this is a place of burial and ceremony, and I feel like it would make more sense for me to do a hybrid check. I don't have ancient snake people religion as a knowledge <laughs> skill, so I'm I'm gonna request a cult and history together. Sure. And with the one on the dice, that brings you to a four. Uh add the plus one strain invested five. And I'm going to invoke my motivation, preserve the past, preserve the present. Um, and I got a two on the die, which would bring me to a seven total. So with a seven in your hybrid check, as you're looking over the gravestones in this graveyard, you get the sense that these graves go back years and years and years. The graveyard is small, but... Throughout the time that you've spent in this city, you it doesn't feel like this tiny graveyard should be able to accommodate so many corpses coming here. And owing to the fact that you know that these people are semi-magical in nature, and, well, you have one of them standing somewhere in this graveyard right now, talking to you in your mind, that maybe these people had supernaturally enhanced lifespans they were meant to live longer than the normal human maybe even longer than that and as you take a closer look at some of these birth and death dates you find more information to corroborate your theory some of these gravestones have dates of birth and death that have been separated by orders of centuries one or two sometimes even three centuries and it appears that most of these gravestones here were for people that were at least 100 years old, if not more. And you're not even sure if these quote-unquote years are the same in length as human years. For all you know, these might be longer or even shorter. They probably aren't. The, the time scale is probably different wherever we are right now. So maximum seems, what, like three, four hundred years? And those are only on, like, it's a cemetery, so um, I would expect that over time a lot of the stones have been weathered and get progressively more difficult to read um, until, if, it's, if the marker is made of stone, it's just been rain and wind have just made it smooth, as if there were no, almost no letters at all, no, no words, no dates carved. It, then that itself takes a long time. Were there are there a large amount of the graves that seem like they're the least old where like a lot of what I'm 
making of the date, the date system is like the deaths were very close together, like around the same time, like maybe due to death in combat, like there was a, a war going on. If there was a war going on within the period of time in which some of these people were buried, you don't seem to find it, at least not immediately. As you continue scouring this graveyard for more information, you find a section of the graveyard further back, towards the back end of the graveyard, that appears to have a set of graves made, where all of the death dates appear to have been either on the same day or one after another, day after day after day. And one of those graves happens to be the same grave that Sally and now Oro are digging up. You can see that through their combined effort, the squirrel and the werewolf have uncovered a sizably large skeleton resembling that of the forearmed snake person named Craig in your party. Mm. Snake-like head, long spine forearms, big ribcage, very humanoid-looking skeleton, and no mouth. But as you look closer at this skeleton, now that it is uncovered, you can see that there are lots of marks and scarring in and around the bones of specifically the forearms and the chest. Mm. And it looks like some of the ribs are broken. And these gouges in the bones, they are deep. You suspect that maybe some sort of bladed weapon might have made these in either a chopping or slicing motion. And this, whoever this was, must have used their arms to guard against these blows. And eventually they must have expired or perished by being struck in the chest hard enough to break bone and maybe even stop the heart. You're not sure. There are no organs. It's just bone. Yes. As uh, Sally and Oro continue to excavate this skeleton, I'm going to stop pointing for uh, Sally. And uh, you're still there, right, Robbie, at the graveside? Um, I've probably gone back by now because I'd noticed people coming over. Yeah. I'll be pointing out for you and you and you. And if Craig isn't lost in thought, he'll be able to hear me because i've gotten in the habit of thinking and speaking it's weird to try to do that to try both like internal monologue and external ever it honestly hurts my head to be attempting to do that but craig's the only one that is telepathic around here right now so the ribs are cracked here uh these fractures look pretty bad um the breaks are like all the way through and this is just like hairline fractures yeah defensive wounds yeah um especially the defensive wounds on the arms here having four arms must be easy to use them as a shield if someone's coming at you with a sword or a spear while still holding your own weapon right so look at these slices these just gouged into the bone the bone's strong enough that here where the ribs are broken if this snake person's heart was in what we would assume where we would assume it to be the chest cavity here a blow like this would have potentially damaged or temporarily to permanently uh stopped the heart if it was that powerful craig kind of looks at the skeleton and 
he's nodding along with your assessment of the wounds. But then when you get to your examination of the arm wounds, he says, wouldn't these people also have had shields to defend themselves with? It seems kind of counterintuitive that they would only arm themselves with a single sword or two or a spear or something and just use the rest of their arms to defend themselves with, right? You have a point. Unless it was an ambush. Or unless uh, as a counterpoint, a more worrying one, an ambush, yes. Or even with a couple of swords and a couple of uh, shields, if what they were fighting also had a lot of limbs and a lot of sharp edges. Bigger, better. Enough to potentially tear a shield off your arm, at which point you're going to protect yourself with your arm, especially when you have three other arms to continue attempting to prevail. What was it that you saw on the walls in this other temple? The the god of these other people. What did it look like? It had a lot of limbs. And I'm assuming if it had any, uh, if there were any little things like that god, they probably also had multiple limbs. Because these, these people's deity they worshipped was Ophidian. It was a g- giant snake. And these other these other combatants, they were depicted as you know fairly humanoid, you know, two arms, two legs, it's shorter, about the same size as the rest of us, I would think, comparatively. That shouldn't be the art shouldn't be taken to scale though. Their their deity that they brought with them was had a lot of limbs, tentacles, pseudopods whatever i wouldn't be surprised if at least some of the invading army also had tentacles pseudopods extrusions and appendages yeah could be fair but i mean i suppose we'll never really know it's been too long right it's probably in their past now i don't i don't know it's sad that we won't get to know what happened to these people but hey, we still learned all we can from them. Saying things like that gives me... I, I won't say that we won't, because I'm hopeful that we won't have to find out what it was. Yeah, well, I hope so too. Craig kind of stands back up. He was kneeling beside you as you were examining the skeleton and dusts off his knees and he says... I think we should get going. If you want to make it to that plateau by first light tomorrow, we've, well, spent enough time sightseeing as it is. Unless there's anything else that we, any of us, think is so important that we have to stop and investigate it again, then we will, but you're right. Don't want to keep our mysterious ally waiting too long. And the last thing, these graves back here... The dates are all extremely close together, like the same time, same day, same week, or slightly after. These probably, these people that were buried over here in this part of the cemetery probably must have been either disaster or combat related. It could have been a disease, but with what little we know about the history of this place, it probably had something to do with 
that other group that came in and tried to kill everyone. I'm going to stand up from, I was in a kneeling position. I stand up and I brush the dirt off my hands onto my pants. I'm handing out wet wipes to people. I am still pondering and probably will be for quite a long time. Why were they growing food? You can grow plants for fibres, to make clothes, to make other things, but they were growing food. And also, how did they nourish and stuff? This is going to keep me awake for a very long time. I look, I look from Robbie to Craig and... Are you hung, feeling hungry at all yet in any way? Because that is something we're going to have to figure out is how do you replenish your body's own energy? Craig looks at you and he says, um, I don't know, I feel fine. I mean, I've seen the group of you eating over the last couple of nights and I don't know, I can smell the food. It makes me feel hungry, but at the same time, it, my body kind of feels like I'm okay with being hungry, you know? Sleeping seems to replenish my energy as much as a good meal. Hell, I don't even feel thirsty. Isn't that weird? But how can you keep going if you don't ingest any that doesn't make sense? He shrugs. I don't know. It doesn't explain anything more than the way I got into this body in the first place. I don't know. Maybe he's part plant and he, his skin now goes through a odd process of photosynthesis. I don't know. Do you see about 500 thoughts go through Robbie's eyes and, and they widen? <laughs> and, I, and I look over at Craig. I mean, I wish I could tell you. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm absorbing nutrients through the ground and through the soles of my feet like some sort of weird sponge. Who knows? You don't have feet. What do you mean I don't have feet? I have feet. You're a weird snake thing now. He lifts up one of his feet, shows it to you. I know, but you're a weird snake thing, aren't you? I mean, snakes with legs are just lizards, right? I mean, he has a point. I'm not getting into that argument. James James is smirking because he knows snakes and lizards are different. But yes, no, lizards are just snakes with legs. <laughs> As the group of you make to leave, the sun has now shifted higher in the sky. It is now noon. And so before the six of you head out... You stop near the northern gate of the city that leads downhill and obviously have a meal. Your MREs at this point are getting pretty low. Holly estimates that with the amount of supplies that you all packed in your individual, well, packs, you should have another four days worth of rations. Four full days worth of meals. Unless we ration the rations, which might not be a bad idea at this point. Well, I can start looking out for edible stuff to at least top up what we have. And Robbie can definitely do that because they studied a book on plants the night before. And so now they know what plants are edible and what plants are not. We're on the subject and it's been something that's been gnawing at me. And that is the worst, worst phrase to use about it. There were many little statues and um, items that have depicted uh, 
animals, wildlife, fauna of some kind, and we've barely heard anything, and we haven't seen anything at, up to this point. And there should, even if all of these, all of these snake or lizard people were driven from this place, there would still be any animals that were here, any wildlife would still, like, wouldn't have been exterminated utterly. It wouldn't have been that level of extinction. No, I've heard a few birds, but I've not. And I did find those weird things. I don't really know what they were. But why are there no... Why just so far hearing or seeing signs of some kind of bird? There's nothing else? Maybe they're stalking us? Exactly what I've been worried about, Robbie. Well, I mean, if they were stalking us over the last few days, shouldn't they have pounced already? You know, like a jaguar or a snow leopard? Says Holly. Maybe they're too clever for that. Maybe they were first to get out of the town. And there's also enough of us that if the, if that is the case, we should probably not break formation and head off unless on our own unless absolutely necessary. If there is any 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 predatory carnivorous or omnivorous animal animals stalking us like that for food all of us together are a threat any of us alone even and i look up even you at craig is a meal i mean yeah i agree so let's get moving i suppose and i would like all of you to make me an athletics check with speed to see just how much time it takes for you to reach that plateau now that you're intent on hoofing it through the jungle. I'm going to take the reroll and see if I do better. I did not. This makes it a four. I can add the three strain to get to a seven. Oh, that sucks. I'm going to take a plus two in lieu of rolling because I never get to do that. And... <laughs> Uh, that's, uh, I'm gonna spend temporary strain, too. Oh, I got temporary strain. Ten. So, even with my two, and my speed of two, if I throw in, so I don't have a lot of strain left, uh, I could throw in two strain and take it up to a six. So, Robbie got a six, or got a ten. What did James get? I only got a seven. It still rounds out to a total of nine because the lowest you can get is a minus one. So nine is still pretty good. The group of you make good time through the jungle. As you make your trek, the paved stone path that leads down the valley and out of the city gradually turns into a well-trodden but still overgrown dirt path. You can see that flanking the sides of this trail Similar to all the other places that you've been to, there are these small blue torches that seem to light up as Craig walks by them. As the hours roll on by, you walk and you walk. It is sweltering. Occasionally, you hear more birdsong. 
And it seems like the further away you get from the city, the more things start to turn into what you would normally expect from a rainforest. There are bird calls, lots and lots of bird calls, insects making sounds. Occasionally you hear branches or twigs snapping underfoot of some beast or animal, leaves rustling in the undergrowth. And as the sun starts to set and you make camp, I'd like to know what's everyone's vigilance at. Um, I will spend... Ooh, it's mental strain. Ah, damn it. <laughs> I will spend one mental strain and make my vigilance a four. I'll spend the three strain to set mine to a five. I will ignore that. Alright, I will throw one of my precious strain and take it up to a three. Alright. Um, can, can I also have Sally on guard as well? Sure. Her perception is five. Ugh. Um, but I can also check on three, eight. Oh, wow, nice. So, you set up camp, and the night passes slowly. The six of you take turns to be on watch. Holly and Bob are more used to this because they are military trained, and so they offer to take watch to give y'all extra sleep. Sally is up all night because she doesn't need to sleep, and so she reports on a lot of things. But the night passes without incident. When you all wake up, Sally makes a whole bunch of squeaky, chittering noises to you, Robbie. Basically letting you know that throughout the course of the night, some strange animals got close to the camp, but they didn't seem to get close enough for either Holly or Bob or any of you on watch to notice. They appeared to have been checking you out, more so in an inquisitive manner, less so in an aggressive manner. And then when they were done sating their curiosity, they left. Sally, however, wasn't able to accurately tell what they look like other than they were quadrupedal and they had some sort of long kind of flowy tail she isn't sure if they had fur or scales but she did notice that long tail quadrupedal kind of longish ears and eyes that could you know reflect light similar to that of a cat if you shine a light at them all right thank you good work as always as the group of you continue towards the plateau. The air here is thick and humid. It's not hot because it's a jungle, and when it rains in the jungle, it gets pretty cold. Thankfully, it didn't rain the previous night, but it's still cool enough that you're not exactly perspiring when you reach the plateau. Come close to afternoon, the jungle appears to open up into a sort of clearing, and you can see that on your left is a bustling river that then opens up into a sort of wider basin. This plateau overlooks a huge cliff drop. And you can't hear it all that well, but the closer you get to the edge of the cliff, the more you can hear the roar of the waterfall that is to your left. Standing at the edge of this absolutely gorgeous vista, is a man. 
He appears to be dressed in a black suit jacket, black slacks and shoes. And as he turns around, you can see that his face and head are wrapped up in bandages along with like his hands. He has on a black tie and a white shirt as well. And you can see that on the shirt written in some sort of ink on the left breast are the two words, go home. And this man appears to be smoking a cigarette as he turns and gives you a wave and says, Hey, glad you could finally make it. And uh, I say to the others and also to no one in particular, I recognize your voice. Good to be here. Yeah, creepy guy in the bandages. Glad we found our way out. Are you, like, gonna die, or...? What, what me? No, not really. Death, for me, is a little overrated. But I'm here to meet you in a rare instance of my job being a lot easier. Okay, um, are you a mummy? <laughs> no, I wish I had one of those. A long time ago, but uh, I've left that life behind now. Ha uh, uh, you had a mom. Ha, uh, uh, yeah. The man gestures to the vista behind him and he says, It's a beautiful place, isn't it? It's a shame that all these people sort of up and left after that war. Are they all gone? In a manner of speaking, yes, but as you can see from one of your companions, they're not all gone. So is he really the only one now? In a manner of speaking, yes. Of course, there could be others, but only time will tell. But he's not the reason why I'm here. The reason why I'm here is, well, the three of you. He gestures to the three of you, Oro, Robbie, and James, and he says, See, originally, I was going to approach the three of you the next time you were in transit somewhere but then again when you chose to travel to this land didn't exactly make my job a whole lot easier i really had to puzzle my way back into this place it's been a long time this land right here well yes it wasn't a big choice i mean it was a choice the other option was certain death we didn't really know or expect to be coming here. Then again, that was the only choice you had. All the paths that you took and all the choices that you made led up to this point. To meet me. And you are? Who I am is irrelevant, but what is more relevant is what I bring for you. I offer power. See, I work for some friends in high places, let's say. And these entities want to see the world in a better place. So I've been keeping my eye on you and, by extension, the rest of your friends investigating the company that is at the center of it all. You should know by now who I'm talking about. Make no mistake, I'm on your side. We all are. Because if we let these people get what they want, it isn't just the world that's ending. It's everything. And so we want to keep on living. You know, so it's in our best interests, and it's in my best interests, 
to make sure that the three of you, and by extension the rest of your friends, get the help that you'll need in order to put this rebellion of sorts down for good. So, how about it? All you need to do is shake my hand. I have some things that I need to give you, but I can only give them to you in your dreams. Which means, well, I'm gonna have to put you to sleep. And not in the, I'm gonna kill your pet kind of way. Like, literally, to sleep. It'll be putting a lot of trust in this person, this this being, entity, to say yes to this. But I don't see another way of getting out of here to anywhere else at this point. If the offer is legitimate, if this man is being truthful, then we should probably be fine. If this being got here, there must be a way to get out. If this being got here, he probably does actually have a way to get us out. Maybe. Are you saying these out loud, or...? No, this is this is me to myself. This this is an offer, and it's like a big. This is going to be a big deal if we have to be unconscious and asleep for this. If this is some kind of trick, we'll be defenseless for long enough that we could be killed or worse. So this is a this is is a level of trust that we're going to have to put in this this being that. If the trust is misplaced, we could all end up dead. But I don't see any easy or maybe any at all way to get out of here and back where we came from. I I can't do that on my own. So far, he's done nothing but try to help. And as much as I want to be here to study all of this more and to see if there's anything else, any other cities beyond this, I don't want to be stuck here forever. I could stay here. However, I don't have my equipment, so I can actually study the things that I have, which wouldn't be a lot of use. I mean, I could do basic, very rudimentary studies on things. I'm, I'm going to accept. And I'm going to take a, a little half step towards him and say, all right. Oro, anything to add? He's staring. <laughs> Just like... And he clears his throat as he takes a half step behind James and is like, um, points his right finger toward man with bandages. I don't want to be turned into a mummy. He chuckles and he says, Relax, I'm, a, I'm not the Brandon Fraser mummy, you know. Shrugs <laughs> uh, and is like, oh, I couldn't get any weirder, you know, I guess snake people teleported to another world bandage man teleports us back to another world through our dreams before i actually like accept and we'll walk up to him uh, i i don't i don't care who you are, but i do have a couple of questions sure i'll answer to the best of my ability where did they go i suppose in the loosest of tunnels they left to seek greener pastures and so, some of them might have ended up on Earth. So they scattered? Well, I wouldn't say scattered, more relocated. I can't give you the full answers. I mean, that would ruin the mystery. But I can tell you that 
These people that were here, that lived here, they're important to our civilization. They were important for human society to flourish. You said you came here a couple of times. You came here while they were still here and thriving. Oh yes, and I can tell you the Valley of Plenty, very beautiful. I could only imagine. You can see that even though the bandages on his head cover most of his face, his eyes are still uncovered as well as his mouth. And he has this wry smile as he says, Yeah, it really truly was a wonder. It's a shame that it's been reduced to this, but knowing that this world is untouched by corruption, man-made or otherwise, is as close a consolation as I can get. Please tell me, why were they growing food? Because at some point in time, they needed it to survive. But when the Great War came and devastated their lands, the very last act of their god before he died was to grant his people immortality, the ability to live as long as they wanted, without fear of hunger, thirst, or any other needs. But it used up the last of his power. He gave his life to save them. That actually answers a lot of things. This place, these people, they're as good as dead now. We'll be able to find those that would one day, maybe, bring this place back to life again. And he gestures to Craig. Just the one of them? Like I said, there could be more. Can never rule out the possibility of being more. So, fair warning. The way I'm going to bestow your power upon you is going to get a little personal. But it's nothing that, well, it's nothing that you can't handle. I know you three, and I've seen what the three of you are capable of. You're powerful. Strong. You'll live. But I can't guarantee you a way out of here. The way I travel is different. And for me to take you home would be to endanger your lives. Or risk something even worse coming through. So what I'll do is give you your power and then point you in the right direction to go home. You see, there are some other people here that have been sent to find you and bring you home. That's their mission. And once I give you your power, your next task is to find them. I've left them very specific instructions to prepare you a path that will take you to where you need to go. After we're done here and our business is concluded, it will be up to you to find the trail that they leave behind and follow it home. And he extends his right hand for the three of you to shake. Shake my hand, and I'll see to it that you're taken care of. Oro does tentatively, but he does. He releases his claws so no one gets scratched either. I take the man's hand. Uh, the, I'm, I'm taking like one last look at the waterfall while these two are playing handsies. The waterfall is beautiful. The cliff is high enough that the roar of the water hitting the floor of this river is not that loud. You can hear him talking without him having to shout. And it's very beautiful. 
as you approach the edge of the cliff and you look down, you can see that there is a rainbow in the spray from the waterfall. And there is a huge basin down below. It's very pretty. Okay. Let's go do some weird magical bullshit. And as the three of you take his hand, you feel yourselves slipping away into unconsciousness. It feels like your very souls have been grasped and pulled backwards away from your body down an endless hallway that slowly, surely descends into darkness as you fall into a deep, deep sleep. This has been Applied Materials, an Orpheus Protocol actual play podcast. A warm thanks to our players tonight. Pinky for playing Robbie. Ross for playing James. Seth for playing Oro. Be sure to follow the show at Applied Mats on Twitter, and we will return in the next episode. Good night. Hey, don't look at me. I'm only giving these three a little taste of history, maybe giving them some insights into the future. Who knows? Next time, with me, the man in bandages.